Good morning. Welcome to Heart and Soul Center of Light. My name is Felicia Williams Cozy, and I am a licensed practitioner at Heart and Soul, and I'm honored to be facilitating our meditation experience this morning. This morning, we are taking the opportunity to immerse ourselves in stillness so that we may connect with the knower within in order that it be our guide during this time of change. Wherever you are, I invite you to make yourself comfortable so that you may be open to divine guidance. Know that right where you are, God is, and therefore it is a safe and sacred space. So if you are willing, I invite you to gently allow your eyes to close and take this opportunity to relax and let go of all that has transpired up until this moment. Join me in taking a deep conscious breath. Breathe in and release with a sigh. Now give thanks for your breath as you gently allow it to return to its natural rhythm. Take a moment now to notice the path your breath takes through your body. While the path our breath takes like each of us is unique, every breath is a part of the one breath which is breathing us all. Let your breath be an ever-present reminder of your oneness with spirit and its ever-availability as a guide and source of inner peace, love, and clarity, regardless of outer circumstances. As we enter the stillness, remember to focus on your breath, and I offer this affirmation as our guide. I have been that I have been. I am that I am, and I will be what I will be simultaneously. Thank you.
I have been that I have been. I am that I am. And I will be what I will be simultaneously. I now invite you to return your awareness to the space that you are in. To do this, you might focus on your feet and notice and feel the support of the floor underneath. You might gently rub your palms together and begin to expand your awareness and feel the space around you. And when you are ready, I invite you to gently allow your eyes to open. This completes our meditation experience this morning. And so it is. Thank you for creating this safe and sacred container of love for our service. We have a wonderful opportunity during these times to spend more time being still and renewing our connection with the One. And I invite you to do so whenever and wherever possible. It has been a pleasure and an honor to facilitate this morning's meditation. Thank you. Welcome to Heart and Soul Center of Lights virtual Sunday service. Today is Sunday, January 17th. My name is Sonia Russell. I am a licensed practitioner and proud founding member here at Heart and Soul Center of Light. And it is my great pleasure to let you know how you can be more fully engaged at Heart and Soul. Starting with our theme, our 2021 Heart and Soul theme, Adventures in Faith Rise Up. That's what we're doing, family. Now is the time. We are engaging deeply in the daily read with Emmett Fox around the year with Emmett Fox. Today, Emmett is reminding us uh, that God is spirit. And we're inviting you to be connected in all the ways that there are to be connected uh, via Facebook. We ask you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter and find us on the various places in which you find podcasts. I want to remind you that at the end of our service, we will have an opportunity to give in community, but you can give anytime by visiting heartsoulcenter.org slash give or texting to give and signing up for our recap. We'll get all of these opportunities to be engaged right in your email box. And I'm letting you know that we are continuing to steep ourselves in our community affirmation. Thank you for everything. I have no complaint whatsoever. On Mondays, the practitioners are continuing to engage in the book study with our dear uh, Emmett Fox. And it happens on Mondays from 6.30 p.m. to 7.15 p.m. Pacific time. You, can, you don't have to sign up. You can simply 
visit heartsoulcenter.org slash Monday Review and be connected right away. And we are inviting you and in introducing <laughs> and inviting you to join the Heart and Soul Rise Up virtual choir, the choir that is being formed to celebrate Easter 2021. Rehearsals begin on February 9th and will go through March 30th. It's eight consecutive Tuesdays. We will send information about how you can sign up and you'll need to sign up before that first session because all of the rehearsals will be happening virtually. It's a great opportunity for you to participate no matter where you are, meet fellowship and progress through uh, singing with like-minded people and increase your frequency and the vibration on the planet with our joy. So we're excited to have those of you who are longing to be in community again to join us for our uh, virtual Easter choir. On Wednesdays, Imagining Justice, hosted by Valerie Joy Fidmont and David Walker, is still going strong. We want to make sure this time you know this week they're doing sacred conversations about resiliency with the heart and soul health and well-being circle. And we're super grateful to have um, them with us on Wednesdays. So come and make sure uh, that you're with us. The experience begins at 6.15 p.m. Pacific time with meditation. On Thursdays, we're lifting up our beloved Tammy Hall. Uh, she's on Facebook Live, bringing her beautiful and unique brand of piano playing. We're super excited about her skill level and her gift to the community that she is. At 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific time via Facebook Live, make sure that you remember to tip generously. And we're inviting you into a pop anytime by visiting our YouTube channel to access Reverend Andriette's point of power. Most specifically, we're asking you to make sure that you're watching them, liking them, and then telling your friends. Also, we recently moved, and if you're considering a gift for our new church home, gift cards are a great idea. You can get them from any of these familiar retailers, and we still have some, a few items remaining on our original Amazon gift list, heartsoulcenter.org slash wish list. So let's take a moment to find our breath, family. <sighs> Coming fully present into this moment. We like to make sure that we ground ourselves in our vision. And so together we recite it, family. We are a loving and compassionate, world-class teaching and empowerment ministry. Through a consciousness of universal God presence, we release all resistance, separation, and fear. We claim our personal liberation and accept the eternal availability of joy, love, and abundance. Through our intention to be love and spread joy, we engender reflections of the same and more in others. Our ministry is a gift to the world, which expands through our practice and dedication. We welcome all people, and together we make a quantifiable positive difference on the planet. And so it is. And so, family, now I invite you to be fully present in this moment. Putting down all it took to get ready, to get here, to be wherever you are, and leaving it in the past where it belongs. And give no concern to all of the things that have to happen after this moment. 
simply allowing ourselves to be present, touching and agreeing, remembering to remember that God is. God is over all, in all, through all. God is right where we are, right here, right now. And without exception and regardless of appearances, the God that is here right now is good. There is love, there is peace, there is joy. There is infinite understanding in this moment in God, right here, right now. Our opportunity is simply to know it, to accept it, to be in it, to rest, rule, and abide in the perfection of this truth. I know, and I know that I know, I move through the world in this knowing that God is all that there is. God is all that there ever has been. God is all that there ever will be. That which kept us while we slept and woke us this morning. That which brings the sun and the rain. That which pulls the ocean to the shore. That which beats our hearts, circulates our blood. God is. We are and all is well. So it is from this place of knowing, this place of trusting, this place of deep abiding faith that I, Sonia, speak my word on behalf of my beloved heart and soul center of light community, knowing and trusting that the goodness of the infinite continues to be revealed in our lives, in every situation, in every place, and with every person, we are able to know the perfection of the one. We are able to see it in the darkest corners. We are able to recognize it in the most hmm, tense conversations. We are able to experience it in the love that is our family, our friends, our community. We are able to welcome it as we open our hearts and our minds to being transformed. I know and I know that I know that each and every one of us has the opportunity, the divine opportunity to see love, to be loved, to give love, to accept love everywhere and for everything. And that we do so vulnerably, confidently, courageously, and unapologetically because we know that God is, that we are and that all is truly well. And so I'm giving thanks. I'm giving thanks that Heart and Soul Center of Light stands as a beacon of love, reminding us to stand in that power, reminding us to be unapologetically optimistic, reminding us to be courageously loving, Reminding us to know the truth, to see it, to seek it out. To remember that it is there and to go looking for it intentionally. Heart and soul center of light opens us up to being our best selves and allowing the planet to evolve into its best self. I am grateful for all that we are and all that we endeavor to be. 
I am grateful for the hearts and the hands that support this ministry, for our practitioners, for our ministers, for our board. I am grateful for our beloved Reverend Andriette, for her dedication to the truth, for her willingness to practice principle with the highest integrity, for her willingness to be an example of vulnerability and compassion and faith. I am grateful this day and every day, family, for the good sense to be grateful. And it is in this gratitude that I release this word into the law, knowing that it is done, not only because I speak this word, but because I know that it is written on our hearts. And so we simply allow it to be so, now and forever. And so it is. Let me be very clear. The scenes of chaos at the Capitol do not reflect a true America, do not represent who we are. Are you sure about that, Joe? An armed standoff? White male entitlement? Conspiracy theories? Sounds pretty American to me. Just look at this guy. This is not who we are as a nation. This is not who we are as a country. It's not who we are. We're better than this. We may be shocked by pictures of a mob invading the Capitol, but check out the paintings hanging behind them in the rotunda. We shouldn't be surprised because we've always been like this. America is a nation built on stolen land by stolen people. And if Wednesday's rampage feels historic, it's because violence is in our national DNA. A mob raised a whole block in Philadelphia because they didn't like, you guessed it, the election result. And after Lincoln was elected, the South launched a civil war rather than accept peaceful transfer of power. Those Americans dreamed this flag would fly in the halls of the Capitol, but it never did, until now. They don't get to steal it from us. They don't get to tell us we didn't see what we saw. Taking up arms when you lose an election? That's American tradition. I look to history, to the precedent of the 1876 election, the Hayes-Tilden election. Where Glad you remember that one, Ted. That was when black Americans were subjected to a century of Jim Crow terror, a trade-off for electoral peace. An hour after your speech on Wednesday, while you cowered inside, they hung a noose outside the Capitol. And black people cleaning up the mess? That's another all-American tradition. This is where centuries of white entitlement leads. Oh, there we go. Storm the Capitol and meet hardly any resistance. A cop is not a threat. He's a photo opportunity. And instead of a jail cell, you toast your criminality in a hotel lobby. We are watching an attempt at a bloodless coup in the United States. Closest thing that I can think of that this reminds me of is the time I spent in Iraq in 2007 and 2008. These aren't foreign insurgents, they are us. They shop at Walmart, they watch the Super Bowl, 
and they're not going anywhere. We were normal, good, law-abiding citizens, and you guys did this to us. We want our country back. And for the purest expression of the American way, just look at the man responsible for Wednesday's violence. A man who leads by Twitter, who knows that if you have enough money, they'll let you do anything. He told us who he was, and we picked him, because this is exactly who we are. And after this, we're going to walk down, and I'll be there with you. We're going to walk down. America, land of the snake oil salesman. Let me be very clear. The scenes of chaos at the Capitol do not reflect a true America. No, Joe. This was a perfect distillation of everything America is and has always been. Your platitudes spin a fantasy as absurd as QAnon, that repeating, this is not who we are, will somehow make it true. Of course, this isn't everything we are. The 82-year-old hands that used to pick somebody else's cotton went to the polls and picked her youngest son to be a United States senator. Just hours before the violence began, Georgia elected its first black senator. But we can only realize our strength if we stop whitewashing our sins. We are a nation forged in racist violence, a society that values wealth over wisdom, a country where personal ambitions mean more than morality, masked with false piety, where citizens wreak havoc on the very institutions that enable them. And get the t-shirt too. This is the United States of America. Hey, heart and soul. I wanted to, you know, we're celebrating today and certainly tomorrow and for as long as we feel guided, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. And so I, I used this, um, this little cartoon. And what it essentially is saying is that the artist created it in a way so that it could, so that he wouldn't have to recreate a new cartoon every time we say that's not who we are. Every time we act in the ways that seem to be baked into the very fiber of America, the very founding of it, the very creation of it by moving native peoples off of their land and having stolen people clear it and work it, that there were those, I'm sure, who declared even then in what probably was 1400s or before we even have clear records of, of how this all, this relationship with peoples, that someone was saying, this is not who we are. And so I wanted you to see this, the, the repetitive nature the habitual pattern of being who we are 
while simultaneously declaring, this is not who we are, and not changing a dang thing, other than, I guess, the tone of our voice when we declare that this is not who we are. So it just felt appropriate to me in celebrating Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday that we just honor the truth, a truth that we know, but we are apathetic and in denial as we declare. Because you, what I love is that just to the upper right of the Statue of Liberty, who you see is crying, it has in brackets troubling news headlines. So that's just where you pop in what happened. You pop in what happened last week, you pop in what happened the week before that, last month, last year, that's where you just pop it in. And then it all works well each and every time. And I wanted you to see that and be aware of just how baked in we are. And then I wanted you to see this and hear this song in the context of all of that.
so heart and soul, we're honoring the life and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Not just today, but for always. How do you measure 39 years of service? Because that's all. He only lived and served, was on this planet in form, in human form, for 39 years. How do you measure it? And it's up to us. What I love about that song is that it lets us know that it's up to us. We could measure it by, or we could measure our time now, or his time by the times he was beaten, or we could measure it by the threats on his life, or we could measure it on the threats on his family. We could measure it by the bombing of his home and others. We could measure it by the nights that, but his wife was sleepless, worried about wherever he was. We could measure it by wiretaps. We could measure and we could measure and we could measure, or we could just know the power of love. We could know that he, that he came to teach us something and to model a certain behavior. And this is not me. I'm never representing even my life as one thing. You know, there's some things that I do masterfully, and there's some things I can't do at all. There's some things I absolutely will share about my life, and there's some things I don't even want you to know. And that's true, my sense is, about all of us. And so I'm not representing that there aren't some places where folks can go to have a complaint or take exception. I don't care. Because that's that very thing that that video was about, is how we take exception. How we miss how masterful we are at missing the dang point. And the point of his life and the point of his service was liberation. And there's this whole elephant in the room, like we aren't who we are. And for some, my sense is that for different folks, it resonates in different ways. That for some, it's a sense of, of pain and sorrow, of forced invisibility, because in order to maintain the farce, in order to maintain the farce, one has to like not see me not see the black children, not see the children of color, not see people without. In order to maintain that farce, we have to really be blind and ignorant. I guess I could just say deaf, dumb, and blind. And no offense to anyone who has that as a legitimate life experience. But for some, it's selective blindness. Selective deafness, selective dumbness, and that's what's up. And that's what I hadn't thought that this would be what would happen for me emotionally. But y'all tune in, you get what you get. So here we are.
with me. I don't typically just, I know this is TMI, I really do. I don't typically put on makeup much at all, but I had nerve enough to put some on, so I'm trying to save it. <laughs> and then otherwise, I'd just be wiping and snotting. <laughs> but there's just enough vanity <laughs> present, just enough vanity, just enough to keep me from just wiping my whole face with one fell swoop. Oh, Lord. So look, Oh, Father, Mother, God. Let me just get to what I really want to get to. Sometimes I get attached to the slides I prepare. <laughs> and sometimes I just get that they don't even matter. Not even, they just don't matter, period. So look at here. There's a piece that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., there are those aspects of what is recorded, what we have, the, his legacy. There are those aspects of his legacy that I marvel at. I absolutely marvel. And one of them is, <coughs> excuse me, the letter from Birmingham jail. I marvel at first because the truth is that he was arrested on April 12th, and I think the date of the letter was the 15th or the 16th. I'm looking in my note here so I can tell you. On the 16th. This is 1963. And I've never been arrested, never been to jail, but I can't fathom... <laughs> that if I were in a Birmingham, Alabama, did I say Alabama? A Birmingham, Alabama jail in 1963, that what I'd be doing would be writing a letter. On, I love this, that this is an actual, what I'm giving you here is, you see his arrest, photos from the arrest and his fingerprints from that arrest, but also some very specific notes that are, this is clearly the draft because the final is slight, is different, but this is clearly, it's in his own hand and it's on whatever paper somebody gave him. And the story is, the history of this is that, um, that eight white Alabama clergymen, Christian and Jewish, wrote um, an opinion piece, you know, a bit of an op-ed piece that criticized him. And this is so akin to this is not who we are. Their version of it was you're moving too fast. You know, why can't you, 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 you see we're coming along. We're we going to get with you. Just Can't you just slow your roll in the vernacular at the time? So they were, really it was a public condemnation of the march. The march very specifically 
disrupted activity. It was, you can tell by the date. And very specifically, it was planned around Easter because they knew people would be shopping and they wanted to, if they knew it was going to be, well, nonviolent was their intention. Although, you know, those of us who got to see it on clips on the news, we know it never, there was violence perpetrated on them. But the design and the plan and the training, by the way, it was never believed that you could just get a group of humans and say, let's be nonviolent and people will spit on you and you'll just go, you know, thank you for that, but you can have this back. Or that they're going to kick you or hit you or sick dogs on you and you just, it's not, it's not the human natural response to not defend oneself. So what, but what I want to, what I want to drill in is that the design, the intention, the every bit of the plan, pardon me, please, but you know, it's that kind of morning and I got to work this out. Um, that the plan was nonviolent. And my point here is that that, that required a lot of work just on the nonviolent part, just to get folks to the point where they could show up and have a practice that says, I will not just haul off and anything. I will instead stay on point. This is important. What the clergy did was, they didn't even write it to him, they just wrote about him. And just really talked about him as like missing the point entirely. Like it was just too much too soon. And I want to get to that, this notion of can't you just wait? Now, <laughs> we don't really have any models in America of people just waiting. That's, that's not what America does. America is not known for meditating on a thing and just waiting and hanging out in it and allowing it to unfold. That's not what we're known for. The models in America is let's go get it. And we saw that, but when it comes to black folks in these Americas, come on, Dr. King, I'm just wanting to make this plain here. The model that we've never seen modeled has been just assigned to us, to those people, that that's what we want you to do, though. Don't do what we do. Do what we tell you to do, which is just be patient. Now, having said the word patient, I'm not, and there's no, there's no competition on which oppressed people have been the most patient. There's not going to be a prize given at the end, so I'm not even going to try to compare or contrast. I'm simply going to say, let the record show we've been patient. That there is sufficient evidence. This is not compared to anybody else. I just don't know how you could count 400 years and not have that be evidence of. And don't count the whole 400. Just pick a piece of it. 
pick a piece of it, break off a piece of that, and just say, okay, that qualifies for patience. Especially when you don't have a whole lot to compare it to. It's not like you got a lot of folks in the running. I'm just, I just, I just, so, so in the jail, in Alabama, I said that right, because I don't want you to forget that he's a black man in an Alabama jail for having messed up the cha-cha. Y'all understand it if I say it that way, because that's essentially it. And four days in, he is moved to respond. Now, I want to give extra points for being focused on service <laughs> rather than anything else, like getting fed, trying to be safe, but instead to, and there's nothing in Alabama 60s, 19, early 1960s history that would make us believe that he was safe or he was feeling safe. There's, there's nothing that I've ever heard or seen from that time that would have me believe that the situation and circumstances were set up in a way that Dr. King, we, well, he wasn't then, <clears throat> but we want you to feel safe and okay here. We're going to give you the special cell and, and you're going to be, so I don't, I don't have any reason to believe in what you need. You need some paper, you need a typewriter, you, what you need. I don't have any reason to believe that that was true, even if it was. There's no, no evidence, no consistent historical data that would have us go there as a perception of what was going on. So Dr. King decides that he's going to respond. And he, likewise, he addresses it, well, in his case, he addresses it to them, but he expands it. And the beauty of his piece is when you read it in its entirety, and we're going to put the, a link to it so that you can, if you choose, read it in its entirety, so that you, if you were to analyze it, it is a beautiful work. It's a persuasive piece because everything that the white clergyman addressed, he goes to that point. If you write, you, you know what a work of art that is to go through absolutely everything. Now, if you imagine that you're sitting up at some university <laughs> with tenure, <clears throat> you can do that in spades. You got assistance, you got all kind of support. But when you're in a Birmingham, Alabama jail, and you are working this thing out. So he moves it from a very specific kind of conversation, a, a me and you conversation, I'm talking to those fellas, to a national dialogue. He's brilliantly expanding it while talking to them, responding to them. He is taking it in a very expansive way to ensure that the world gets this. And, and embedded in this is this 
this thing that he touches on, because I don't, you know, I, I don't know that I'm equipped to go through the whole thing, even if I had the time. And I don't have either. <laughs> Part of his point of view seems to be, now he doesn't say this, but I feel it. Y'all ought to know better. <laughs> you, you the clergy. And, and I feel that today. See, this is, a, this is for such a time as this, y'all. I feel this today. Y'all ought to, you evangelical, y'all ought to know better. Come on. Because you can't just quote the Bible and memorize the passages. At some point, there's a requirement for living it, for, 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 for us recognizing that you are a Bible teacher, a Bible lecturer, a Bible studier by your living. Not just by the crawl on the television. See, <laughs> here's what just came to me. I hadn't planned to go here yet. This this notion that they point part of their that part a main part of what they want to convey to Dr. King and the world in writing it. Because they're really talking about King, but they're also addressing blacks in Birmingham, Alabama. Because, you know, everybody didn't march. Everybody, the color of the skin didn't, was not a determinant around whether you were believing that nonviolent demonstration was the way to go or whether you even felt like having King present was a problem on your job with your boss. So there's a lot going on, and they're writing to stir that up too. We don't like what he's doing, and you probably don't either. Because after all, he should have just been more patient with us. So King's response also addresses all those groups. And I feel like even a more international. He justifies by explaining what the purpose of nonviolent demonstration is. And he also clarifies where they are saying, just negotiate. They would negotiate. He clarifies that they've been negotiating. And that very specific negotiations were to turn down, I'll give you an example, were to take down the signs that said colors only, white only, that. Some folks did take them down. So there was a little progress, but a lot didn't. And some that took them down put them back up. So... He was saying that those negotiations, this didn't change that. But the thing is that no one, no group has ever given up power just because people ask nicely. <laughs> that that's just not a part of, of how we see our, our history. He talked about the unjustness of immoral laws. That, for example... This is my example, that 
he was actually arrested and charged with illegal parading, that they didn't have a parade permit. Well, nobody believed that they were parading. They didn't need a parade permit because they weren't having a parade. They were having a nonviolent demonstration. And it's, it's a constitutional right and has nothing. But do you see how if you're going to get him, you're going to find something to get him on? And so he was talking about how out of harmony unjust immoral laws are and that they don't require adherence. If they're unjust, they're not real. And whenever I would read it, I would sometimes see law with a capital L. It never showed up that way. Just like we'd say principle with a capital P. So it's that kind of idea. So he, he really just, he covers it, <clears throat> he covers it all, including addressing, and this is real, y'all, this is real right now in 2021. He addressed, I think, beautifully, coherently, clearly, um, I'm running out of words here, but uh, white moderates. who we often, as a black woman in these times, who we often automatically assign allyship to. Because you're, you're not a part of the deep trouble. But then I realize that your silence, though, is almost or could be even more dangerous than the acting out. But, you know, I'm not going to waste time trying to compare and contrast any of that. I'm just saying, and he says it beautifully. He says that they stand in the way. White moderates stand in the way of social progress. He's like the Ku Klux Klan, and you saw that, where the woman is just watching. They're down the street, openly. And then later there's a cross burning. You know what that you know what you're working with with that. But the people who present themselves as allies and yet they resist the efforts to make change. Often the call for the moderates is, but why can't you just wait? And that wait translates, Dr. King says, to never. It's a not now, but in real translation for when exactly you have in mind, it's apparently never. That we'll just, we'll just be in the process that we've been through. Then he kind of has a special dose for, for white ministers, for the white church. Because it's the kind of thing that, you know, I, well, I... I ought to put it on a sibling. But I heard very often in my growing up from my mother, I know you know better. <laughs> and with that kind of tone, I know you know better. And sometimes you didn't even know what she'd caught you at. 
Well, no, I guess I'm telling a little too much because it should have just been that one thing <laughs> as, as even a possibility. But sometimes it was a little more. I'm like, ooh, tell, say a little more about that. <laughs> but of course I couldn't and did not have the, the frame of mind to do any of that. But that's essentially what Dr. King is saying to the white church. I know you know better. You know the Christ teaching is love your neighbor, love your enemy, love your love, 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 love. That's why I wanted you to hear seasons of love. Because we have some options about how we see a thing. You know, I know Sonia told you about um, the February issue of the Science of Mind magazine. I'm just holding it up here for a moment. Um, because on the cover is our matron saint, Harriet Tubman. It says, her light of love, faith, and courage. And I'm honored to have written the, um, <clears throat> the title story article in addition to my regular column. The reason I mention it right here, the reason I slide this in here, is because I see the similarities in Mother Harriet, her clarity, her courage, her love, and Dr. King's. Now, we don't have, see, there was no FBI to wiretap Mother Harriet. But I'm going to tell you, if there had been, there'd be those who would be her detractors. And we know that because although she had been, I understood that she had gone through, she didn't do any of this, that the consideration for having her on the $20 bill, on the $20 bill, had gone through every bit of the checkoff process except for the final thing to just go do it. And that that was pulled. Because there, there's always going to be somebody who has a different view about who it is and what they deserve and what they don't. Because we're human and we're wired to have an opinion. Not worth much, I just got to say. Because we all have one. We all have lots of them. What happens in power structures is that some count more than others. But in my house, <laughs> in, on my, in my universe, Dr. King and Mother Harriet stand mightily as exemplars of courage and faith and love. Dr. King writes this, and I want it to, I want to read this section to you because I don't know that anybody else has ever done. And again, this is from April of 1963, has done as clear a job of this. He says, we have waited for more than 340 years for our constitutional and God-given rights. The nations of Asia and Africa are moving with jet-like speed toward gaining political independence, but we still creep at horse and buggy pace toward gaining a cup of coffee 
at a lunch counter. Perhaps it's easy for those who have never felt the stinging darts of segregation to say, wait. But when you've seen vicious, vicious mobs lynch your mothers and fathers at will and drown your sisters and brothers at whim, when you've seen hate-filled policemen curse, kick, and even kill your black brothers and sisters, when you see the vast majority of your 20 million Negro brothers smothering in an airtight cage of poverty, in the midst of an, of an affluent society, when you suddenly find your tongue twisted and your speech stammering as you seek to explain to your six-year-old daughter why she can't go to the public amusement park that has just been advertised on television and see tears well up in her eyes when she is told that Funtown is closed to colored children. And see ominous clouds of inferiority beginning to form in her mental sky. And see her beginning to distort her personality by developing an unconscious bitterness toward white people. When you have to concoct an answer for your five-year-old son who is asking, Daddy, why do white people treat colored people so mean? When you take a cross-country drive and find it necessary to sleep night after night in the uncomfortable quarters of your automobile because no motel will accept you. When you are humiliated day in and day out by nagging signs reading white and colored. When your first name becomes nigger and your middle name becomes boy however old you are, and your name becomes John, and your wife and mother are never given the respected title of Mrs. When you are harried by day and haunted by night by the fact you are a Negro, living constantly at tiptoe stance, never quite knowing what to expect next, and are plagued with inner fears and outer resentments. When you are forever fighting a denigrating sense of nobodiness, when you will understand, then you will understand why we find it difficult to wait. There comes a time when the cup of endurance runs over and men are no longer willing to be plunged into the abyss of despair. I hope, sirs, you can understand our legitimate and unavoidable impatience. You express a great deal of anxiety over our willingness to break laws. This is certainly a legitimate concern. Since we so diligently urge people to obey the Supreme Court's decision of 1954, outlawing segregation in public schools. At first glance, it may seem rather paradoxical for us to consciously break laws. One may well ask, how can you advocate breaking some laws and obeying others? The answer lies in the fact that there are two types of laws, just and unjust. 
I would be the first to advocate obeying just laws. One has not only a legal but moral responsibility to obey just laws. Conversely, one has a moral responsibility to disobey unjust laws. He says, I would agree with St. Augustine that an unjust law is no law at all. I put in my note right there, Black Lives Matter. Because I know that there's a lot of press and a lot of varying opinions about the very nature of that movement. But I think the name says it all. It's about reminding us that black lives matter. You see, there was nothing in the way that black folks were treated when Dr. King was arrested in 63, April of 63. I don't think I can just say 63, because my sense is there were several arrests. But this specific arrest where he wrote what we know is a letter from the Birmingham from a Birmingham jail that black lives matter is an important message because it's not baked in it's not baked in that native american lives matter it's not baked in that brown lives that it, it's just not baked in it's not So now just to go full, full circle, this notion of seasons of love that we get to decide about whether we count, and I know we must at the CDC level, et cetera, count the deaths and the illness and how many ICU and, and somebody, that's somebody's job. But for the rest of us, unless that's your job, unless that's what you're responsible for, and others are, are relying on you to keep that data and those statistics, the rest of us can really count our time in different ways. We can count it in seasons of love. We can count it in the Malcolms and the Martins and the the Mother Harriets and the Harriet Jacobs and, the, and some of you have folks in your family that the rest of us will never know, but you know the stories. So we can count. How do you count it? How do you keep up with it? I'm going to suggest just for our sanity and for our forward motion that however we count it, we make sure we count the love. And that while we're counting, that we count on exactly how, how great God is. You, you see, 2021 could be a year of apathy. It could be a year of defeatism. It could be a year of doubt. But it ain't. I'm declaring something else. I'm claiming something else. I'm claiming it as an adventure in faith. And in order to know that we can change, that it can be different, my sense is that we benefit from honoring that there's something greater 
than each of us as individuals. Dr. King knew that. Mother Harriet knew that. That anyone who has ever done the impossible, in quotes, knows that there's something more. And there's a moment when we, in awesome wonder, consider all the worlds. And I know we anthropomorphize God when we say thy hands have made, but it's the creation. You see, I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout the universe displayed. How great thou art. Let me count the ways in love. Thank you, heart and soul. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder thy power throughout the universe displayed and sings my soul my savior God to thee how great thou Great thou art, and then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou His son not sparing, sent him to die. I scarce can take it in that on the cross my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died.
In today's world especially, it's not easy to keep a center going. You know, often as a participant or a congregant or someone who's part of the community, we're not really thinking maybe about the electric bill and about all the many things it takes to keep a community together and growing. Some of you know that I am the founder of the Prosperity Plus programs 1, 2, and 3, and I know that your center has offered these programs to you. I'm a deep believer in tithing. And we all have giving patterns. Many of us give actually only emotionally. We give when we feel like we have a little extra. And then there's another kind of giving that's a regular repeated giving that comes with a percentage to it. And if it's not 10%, it's 5% or it's 6%, but it comes out of a decision to have circulation in your life, planting in a beautiful place like the heart and soul center of light for the growth of a community that you has nurtured you, can nurture you further, and more than that, can spread this wonderful message to a world that is deeply hungering, even if they don't know yet that they're hungering for it. So I invite us on this day to lean in and make a commitment for percentage giving over the next year. And then turn around every three months and take a look at what's happening in your life. Something happens when you're a regular giver. And each month as you're receiving your income, a portion of it goes to support. Uh, it changes the way you feel about yourself. It changes your level of expectation of good in your life. It changes your sense of worthiness and your connection with the very source of your life. As Mary Morrissey suggests, we want to get in where we fit in, in this gracious giving game. Good morning, family. This is our opportunity for gracious giving here at Heart and Soul Center of Light, and there are lots of ways in which you can support the Center of Light. You can send a check to 5627 Telegraph Avenue, number 405, Oakland, California, 94609. You can also give online at our website, heartsoulcenter.org slash give. And while you're there, you can even set up your preferences for recurrent giving or maybe just a one-time gift, whatever works best for you. Last but not least, you can text the word give to 510-500-5849. However you choose to give is right and perfect, and we support it all, but it's also important that we... Um, have the right consciousness about our giving, blessing our good, thereby establishing the good our gift will do in the world even before we give it. And so wherever you may be in the world, I invite you now to take your gift in hand or otherwise just place your, gift, your hand over your heart and let us say our blessing together. I bless this gift as healing energy and send it into the divine flow of all good infinite prosperity circulates through me, through my church, and throughout the world because I know God as source, and so it is. Thank you, Revelo, and thank you, Rev, for all of that power and truth and vulnerability. Family, I am here to remind you how to continue to be engaged in heart and soul. On Mondays, we have our book study with the practitioners um, where we are diving in deep to around the year with Emmett Fox, which is our year, our yearly read. Um, this on Monday, 
happening tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, you can simply visit heartsoulcenter.org slash Monday Review to join. We are inviting you to join the new Heart and Soul Rise Up virtual choir for Easter. A sign-up sheet will be coming, a sign-up link will be coming soon. You'll need to register before the first session on February 9th, but it'll be eight consecutive Tuesdays um, at 7 p.m. Pacific time. And because it's virtual, you'll be able to join from any place in the world. On Wednesdays, Imagining Justice, hosted by Valerie Joy and David, is deeply, deeply moving. In a time like this, family, we need our Imagining Justice time together. This week on the 20th, Sacred Conversations on Resiliency, being um, brought to us by our Heart and Soul Center of Light Health and Well-Being Circle. We begin with meditation at 6.15, families. On Thursday, Tammy Hall is still live via Facebook Live, bringing her virtuoso piano skills. Make sure that you're supporting our sister and tipping generously. We recently moved, and if you're considering a new gift for our new church home, gift cards are a great idea for for many of these familiar retailers. You can also visit the heartandsoul.org slash wish list. And we continue to support Marcus Bookstores, the oldest independently owned black bookstore in the country, as well as Kingston 11, uh, Jamaican Cuisine. We invite you to make sure that you are supporting both of these organizations as our community partners. Heart and Soul Youth and Family happens for the teens uh, at 11.30 Pacific Time on Sundays via Zoom. You can send an email uh, to get more information. And our young people, ages 4 to 12, are still engaging in some asynchronous time. Uh, So we invite you to visit heartsoulcenter.org slash watch YFV. Family, you know and we know that prayer works. And so every Sunday, about 10 minutes following the conclusion of service, we have a uh, video, uh, excuse me, a teleconference uh, prayer line. There are four prayer rooms available. We also have it available on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. The point is to simply avail yourself to prayer because prayer changes everything. Family, I want to remind you that our POP video is happening. Pop videos are available to you at any time via the Heart and Soul YouTube channel. And I wanted to make sure that I circled back to our deep and profound pride for Reverend Andriette's presence on the planet. It does not just benefit Heart and Soul, it is benefiting the world. Our opportunity to really experience science of mind principles in a way that is culturally and socially and even more politically relevant for us as a community is important. And we are so grateful for her willingness to be that voice uh, and to be that present. And we are grateful for her place in the world. And now I welcome back our beloved Reverend Andriette. Thank you, Sonia. Thank you, team, for just making it safe for I feel held and, and safe to be vulnerable. A um, lot going on. I'm, I'm excited about the, the issue of the magazine. And, well, I'm going to ask for your, your support. You know, often commercial endeavors have everything to do with how successful they are, meaning whether people respond, whether folks write the editor, all of that makes a difference. So I'm just, I'm just saying, if there's something here for you, then be responsive so that folks who make decisions 
can be inclusive what if we, for the things that do work. What if you think about it a little while, it'll come to you. I just want to give thanks for all of you who are tuned in. Locally, if you're across the street, down the block, across the bay, I'm just grateful that you tune in, that you're a part of this community for a few minutes or for decades. I want to acknowledge those of you, though, who are outside of the area and could not be here even if we are open. I want to acknowledge that somebody's here with us from Grants Pass, Oregon, and Detroit, Michigan, and Tucson, Arizona, Las Vegas, Nevada, Salvador, Bahia, Brazil, Jaco, Costa Rica, Columbia, South Carolina, Aurora, Colorado, Connecticut, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Atlanta, GA. I am just grateful. And all, whenever you're here, let us know that you're there. Do you, it gives me a little something to know that uh, you're hanging out with us. And I wouldn't know otherwise. So please do share with us. <clears throat> a special thing that is happening is the invitation for you to come sing with us. So you see, these two things go together. Because I'm so aware that folks are with us from other places with amazing voices and spirits and a willingness to join together in song. You know, when you put voices together in song, there is joy. Regardless of the song itself, the peace, there is joy. The energetic presence of that is joy. So if you are interested, there's no longer a question of, oh, can you get here and be here by that time? It's can you tune into Zoom by uh, 7 p.m. Pacific time on eight consecutive Tuesdays beginning February 9th. So you can plan Set it out on your calendar through March 30th. And here's the goal. I wanted to have a choir on Easter. And so that's what we're working on. That, that group, whatever group shows up, however they show up. And I'm just going to say it's eight consecutive weeks. If you're going to be about it, be about it. So there's not, I've not heard the definitive rule that you can only do it if you're there for all eight. But act like that's a rule and be there for each one of the sessions so that you can bring your best contribution. And the idea will be that that culminates in a virtual recording, recorded session for our Easter service. And so we'll just see what the songs are and it's all gonna be wonderful. So I'm hopeful, hopeful that some of you, I know that if it's specific time, then, you know, unless you're in Hawaii or, or Japan and so forth, then it's going to be later for you. And I just say take a nap. <laughs> just get a nap in so you can be present to it and be with us. Yes? Oh, I want that for us so much. Um, you know, I know during these times that we sometimes need a little something extra. And if you have a listening for my voice, then the pop video that you can find on YouTube. There are just, I don't know, are there hundreds now? Yeah, they would have to be at this point. So just pick one and, and listen. None of them are more than 
well, six minutes. Sometimes I, my goal was five minutes. Sometimes I got carried away. But they're between four and five minutes and 58 seconds or something like that. But work with it. Use the Science of Mind magazine. If you have a listening for my voice, if you don't, I'm not talking to you right now. But if you do, then there are articles. I've been writing for the magazine for a while for years. And so there are a number of uh, columns that, that might be just the thing to get you through, to support you through a little difficult, difficult period. But also what works is prayer. And what we know is that group prayer is available right after service. And on Wednesday mornings, the, pra- the practitioners are also uh, hosting a Monday night book study for the um, Emmett Fox, a year with Emmett Fox, around the year with Emmett Fox. And so there are lots of possibilities to support you in all of this. And so I pray that you take care of yourself. And if you want to support us a little more, you already do, and I'm grateful for that. But if you want it, we would appreciate a gift card from any of those places where we can go in and get exactly what's needed. You know, if we need some paper for the copier, if we need uh, some uh, toner for the copier, you know, those things that come up, as well as, you know, we're still pulling our new spot together. So know that you are loved beyond human measure and that this brings us to a point and opportunity for prayer. So I just ask that we pause for a moment and just bring our attention within, bring our energy in so that we can, we're about to plug in a little bit so that we can recharge our spirits by knowing, by knowing and divine recognition that there is one, one life, one love, one breath, one beingness, and that it's the living one, the strong one. that it's the life of the divine, original source, the source of all, how life begins and how life is, the alpha, the omega, the all in all, that I stand right now in recognition how great thou art, that right where I am right now, the whole, the perfect, the complete energetic presence of the divine, the source of all there is, is in me, is having its way with me. That I'm lending my voice, my vocal cords are vibrating out of that. My heart is beating out of that. Every breath I breathe, I'm breathing the breath of the divine. And the breath of the divine is breathing me. And that this is true for all of us. That there is no separation. There's no thee and thou. That it's all one. It's from this vantage point. From this awareness. Of this allness. This oneness. The power. How great thou art. That I speak this word. That I command 
command this awareness, this energetic presence that I command it because that's what's intended. That I stand here and know that right where we are, the love of the divine is. And that that power is all powerful. It's a healing vibration that for someone who, who has a diagnosis, a prognosis, for someone who's not feeling well, that I am declaring and reminding all of us that the divine is radiant health. Which means that each and every one of us has radiant health. That the divine is peace. Which means that each and every one of us has peace as an aspect of our spirit. By right of consciousness, we are radiant health. We are peace. We are joy. We are love. We are compassion. We are acceptance. And none of that can possibly be withheld from us. But we must know I am standing here in the gap for anyone who cannot know for themselves. I am knowing for each and every one of us. Love, radiant health, joy, peace, harmony an abundance of all things good. The strength, the courage to stand in difficult times under difficult circumstances and command love and neutralize circumstances, situations, be guided and guarded and directed in next steps. Oh, I'm just That right where we are, the whole, the perfect, the complete is and is imbuing us with everything required for this journey, for this now moment. We don't have to worry about later. Right now, we have everything required. Everything required is provided and for this I am grateful so it is an absolute perfect gratitude that I release this word that I turbocharge it into the perfect activity of law that I let it be that I just seal this for all time across all space forever and always allowing this truth to stand as the foundation for this moment and all others. I let go. I let God. And so it is. Ashe. Amen. And now, beloveds, I have forgotten the name of <laughs> song that is coming, but I want you to hear it and experience it with your heart open. What if we, what if you, what if I 
all loved each other There'd be nothing that we can't do If we could choose to love each other There is no mountain could stand in our way If we all choose love today some will say the greatest thing is love And prophets say without love faith ain't enough But still there remains a question In a world still filled with war, despair and hate Without a piece of food on every plate Could love be the right direction? There is no mountain could stand in our way if we are choose love today so what if we what if you what if i all loved each other there'd be nothing that we can't do if we could choose to love each other there is no mountain could stand in our way if we are choose love today so many people fight in civil war they can't recall what they are fighting for could love help us come together if you and I could strive to understand and teach our children love for fellow man, there's no storm we couldn't weather. There is no mountain could stand in our way if we are ready. Choose love today. I'm four years old and I already know all this term needs its love to go. I put it on my text and I put it on my Twitter My Facebook page, cause I just ain't the critter People come together now, make it better now If love was high school, I would have a letter now We can do anything If we stick together now, put your arms around each other Don't you feel better now? What if we? What if you? What if I? All love each other that we can't do if we could choose to love each other so what if we what if you what if I all loved each other there'd be nothing that we can't do if we could choose to love each other. Mm. <laughs>